I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. We have an exciting new installment to the Roundtable series. That's right. We are broadening our view, taking it beyond the traditional top six, if you're counting Arsenal top eight teams, and we're talking to a Villa fanatic. That's right. We're on with Jack Ridgway, who's got a podcast of his own. Uh, Patrick and I were in the presence of podcasting greatness. Uh, he had some really, really awesome, amazing takes on on Villa, Grealish, uh, Dean Smith, the man behind the coach. And some really awesome things to look forward to in the season upcoming for Villa. So give it a listen. We hope you enjoy it. right along to the next Prem de la Prem roundtable summer 2020 guest but it's not so much a roundtable as a meeting of the podcast minds it's Jack Ridgeway um, a man who is a fan of a couple teams and actually for the first time in Prem de la Prem has a podcast of his own so we're we're a little anxious over here Patrick and I on the edge of our seats hoping we don't get shown up we'll but we're excited to have action. him on yeah, cross promo. We're excited to have him on, Jack. It's great to meet you and have you on the pod. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm uh, I'm originally from the UK, so I moved to the states when I was about seven. No accent, obviously, so won't confuse any listeners. But um, yeah, I've had a season ticket to Aston Villa Football Club since birth, um, and uh, you know something that is a big part of my family and like you know my ever t- you know, pretty much all I ever talk and communicate with my fa- my own father about is is Aston Villa. Um, or any kind of right now transfer rumors. Um, and so I've been a season ticket holder for, you know, 27, 27 and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to the States when I was about eight um, and live in Chicago. Um, so I go back, try to go back uh, outside of the whole pandemic. I usually go back about three or four times a year to, to games, um, take a long weekend, stack a few games like in London if Villa's playing away um, yeah. or take a train to Birmingham from London. Um, that was going to be my first question. What do you do with the tickets? <laughs> All the games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's funny. My So like before every season, my dad, my dad and I actually have memberships to quite a few clubs in the UK. Mm-hmm. And the way we do it is like you can, you can kind of do two things at a club. You can get like a full blown season ticket, which is what we have at Aston Villa and Crystal Palace, which is obviously more expensive, but you have a guaranteed set seat for every single home game. Um, and then we also get what, what are called like club memberships, which are like insider memberships where you don't actually purchase a ticket but when tickets roll out or fixture times are announced you get first priority before the general public mm-hmm. so uh, my dad and i will usually line up like um a weekend like labor day weekend right now is is not a good example because football usually isn't on but uh like a long weekend like that where we both have a, little, a day off work 
Um, and then we'll try and find like a few fixtures in London. So we'll fly into London, catch a game, usually a league, league one or championship game on the Friday, Premier League on the Saturday, and then another Premier League game on the Sunday. Love it. That's awesome. It's awesome. It's efficient too. Yeah, wildly bases. efficient. A lot, of jet, <laughs> a lot of jet lag though, you know? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, of course. I was shocked when I went to, uh, I've only been to the Emirates once, and you had you have to become a member to even buy a ticket. There's no mm-hmm. just like secondhand ticket market in the, at least I couldn't find it for, for Arsenal. So Yeah, I yeah. when I went to Emirates last season, Palace, I went and saw Palace away. Um, Wilfred Zaha kind of bundled by Mustafi, and, and uh, I think Palace won. Three two, yeah. That was the uh, oh, the game that, that was, kept us that out of the Champions the, League. That was the a big straw yeah. that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw did that. Meet, I saw that. Meet... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I said I saw that game last season away. Um, Palace at uh, Arsenal, and I also saw Palace at City. So I saw the first loss Manchester City had at the Etihad, and I think like two and a half seasons. Was that the like Andros that? Townsend screamer? It is. Yeah, I was wow. there for that. Man, a couple of great games. Did you meet Gunnosaurus when you were at the Emirates? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. That's Patrick's favorite part of the club. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's um, a legend. He's a legend. Yeah. Well, we'll circle back around at the end to uh, the podcast and what you've got cooking in the in the football world um, for our listeners to check out. But we're here to talk about your club. You've got the Villa jacket on. Um, mm-hmm. We know a little bit about your background. Uh, I guess our first question, since we kind of keep our aperture to the top half of the table in our clubs, would it be fair whenever we have you on to call you our bottom half of the table specialist? I think absolutely not. I think that's disrespectful. I would argue that domestically, um, Villa are a bigger club than Arsenal, actually. So um, that but, argument does get made. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Birmingham's a big city, but yeah, second, um, like second biggest city in England, right? And so they're the biggest team in the, in the second biggest city in England, as opposed to being the fifth or sixth biggest team in the biggest city in England. So. <laughs> I'll let Pat think on a rebuttal for that one, but we'll kick it off with a little segment we've been doing with our other roundtables called Flaw and Order, uh, where we'll put you on trial a little bit for things going on with Villa. A lot of it is going to end up you telling us about Villa, I feel, but we have some questions to lead it, and then we'll Tell see where it Tell us why we're wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so first thing that I think would be on a lot of people's minds, I think we'll probably start it with the less obscure, and specifically coming from a United fan and myself, I'm, I'm really curious about this one. It feels to us, and Patrick and I have talked about this on previous podcasts from this summer, that Grealish is in a pretty ironic and shitty situation where by saving Villa from relegation, he's priced himself out of a move that he wants. It feels like the owners are putting him at an 80 million pound price tag when obviously you see other players of similar positions from around Europe go for almost half that. Um, as a Villa fan, what what do you see for his future? Is he going to stay? Are you happy that he's going to stay? Do you want to facilitate a move for him to move on? I, I guess look into your crystal ball and, 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 and let us know what you see coming up for Grealish this summer and beyond. Yeah, so obviously it's something that's, that's widely debated amongst Villa fans. A few things to know about Jack Grealish is like, he's obviously been at the club since he was tiny, right? So he never played football anywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. He, his, uh, his dad's a Villa season ticket holder. He was a ball boy at Villa when he was little. Um, and he's very, very close with his family. You know, his sister goes to every Villa game. And so he's grown up like literally through and through like Villa through and through, um, you know, winning under 17, under 13 tournaments as a Villa youngster. And so I think when you think about what's going to happen with his future, 
it's from the outside. I think everyone, you know, everyone's like, Oh, you know, he wants to move on to a bigger club and he, you know, he needs it to kind of, uh, take the next step in his career. And I, w- I would agree with your point that if Villa went down, I think for sure a hundred times out of a hundred, he's getting sold just mm-hmm. because I don't, I think at that point it's a financial necessity, not even mm-hmm. what the player wants or the club wants. The, but the reality is they're in the premier league and Villa have, you know, top five richest owners in the league. Um, you know, Wes Edens who, owns the Milwaukee Bucks, um, you know, is a multi-billionaire. And so that they have a lot of money to really kind of make a climb up the table and turn into one of those Wolves type teams that, that finishes yeah. around, se- you know, seven or eight. Um, and so I think there's a lot of runway for Grealish currently at Villa. Um, but I think uh, the question is, is it, it's got to go one of two ways with him. Uh, you know, he's got to be able to assess and say, okay, like the club is going to build its future around me. I, I'm going to... I, I'm with that. You know, I'll, mm. I'll be captain for the next three to five seasons and try and take us into Europe. Or he'll, you know, or he has to be, you know, be honest with himself and think, you know, for my own career, I want to move to a different team and then, you know, won't be an instant starter. I mean, all the teams that he's linked with, he's not going to jump straight sure. into the team. Sure. Um, and and does he kind of want that for his career? So I think there's what his desires are, which are impossible for us to know. But I think right now, with the way Villa is set up and kind of the runway that they have, all signs for me point to him staying. Um, and he has stayed for the last four seasons when he's been linked with going away. And I, I kind of link his right. rumors, I think, are very comparable with Wilfred Zaha, actually, at uh, Crystal Palace. Just like um, perpetually linked to leave and it just doesn't materialize. Right. Well, it's one of those things where if you think about the financial value of, of a Jack Grealish, right? Like he, if he does not in the team last season, then Villa go down, right? Clearly. He's you know a leading goal scorer, leading assist, chance creator, all that thing, our best He was the captain. team. Yeah. Right. So if we don't have him, we go down. So then isn't he worth then 80, 100 million pounds, right? Like to, just to by you. definition right there. <laughs> yeah, probably. <There's, laughs> right, but but, but, that but, meme but, that goes but isn't like, is not price value decided emotionally? by? billion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think like, isn't price decided by the seller, right? Like, um, sure. So valid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, those are kind of my thoughts on Grealish. I think, um, you know, I think obviously there's the chance that he will leave, but I think if, if I were in Vegas, I would bet that two, three seasons from now, um, he stays and then hopefully that's linear with a Villa rise on the table. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned Zaha because obviously there were links, there's $80 million, is that just like the price for, like this guy's not going anywhere? Because that was the Zaha price last summer, and Arsenal was, said forty million in Gunduzi. Shake my hand. We were talking about that off air. Our Arsenal's base yeah. offer is cash, and then Gunduzi, and everyone's yeah. like, just no, cash is fine. Um, but no, with with um, with somebody like that, it is there is a value like relative to what that squad would lose. Because if you were to then take that eighty million dollars and reinvest it, what are the odds that immediately you get? Grealish's production and you know going on to you know you you survived you, you obviously wanted to get a little bit higher in the table last year you didn't but staying promoted was a huge huge financial benefit so mm-hmm. I mean I guess what's the next what's the next ambition you know I, I, I obviously per, relegation avoiding relegation is a very low bar but Villa were in the in the league you know for nearly or in the top flight for nearly 30 years until was it 2016 so getting back and getting stable into the Premier League, I think Jack Relish is a decent a decent part of that, at least in the short term. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, going back to the Wilfred Zaha links, it's, it's kind of, you know, you think about Harry Maguire, who was bought for um, 80 million pounds or 75 million pounds or whatever it yeah, was um, sure. at United. Like that is that price tag. Harry Maguire was club captain at Leicester. Um, mm-hmm. They price him out at 75, 80 million, saying we don't want to lose him, but if you're willing to, you know, everyone has their value. 
somewhat, you know, Manchester United being the the transfer bums that they are did that. Um, and I think that I think you mis- misspoke. Uh, geniuses. <laughs> yeah, someone in uh, someone in my in my canos probably agrees with me. But, <laughs> but I think like uh, I, I think like that's yeah. I think that the eighty million pound range is is basically the value of a player that is a really skilled and b essential to the su- immediate success of the team, right? And very few kind of top players hit both of those, mm-hmm. where they kind of go into this like unsellable realm where they're not only really really skilled and really high value, but they're also essential to the core of their team. And there's difference there between like a really skilled player, like Memphis Depay, for example, is like a really skilled and essential mm-hmm. core. He's you know captain of, of Leon, so mm-hmm. like there are players that fall into those buckets, and their value I think goes up. Like Zaha's in one of them. Um, he's been wearing the captain's ar- armband in preseason for Palace, and, and Grealish obviously yeah. has been the captain for the last so, two seasons. So I want to close it here, and then I want to move a little more to Patrick's point because I think it's a good one about the club as a whole. But on Grealish. When we get to a little bit, leave it. I, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you, I've actually made a couple around Aston Villa, and I was hoping to bring them up on this podcast. And one of which was Grealish isn't gonna move this year. Like I feel very confident, unless Manchester United bungles all their transfers and come in right before the season starts and say, okay, we'll pay you eighty million dollars. I only mm-hmm. see it being Man United, and I don't see it being any other Premier League club. So I think Grealish is gonna stay, which is probably great for the club. Do you in any world, like, I, because I don't at all, see, like, a messy situation where he has to, like, force his hand and be like, guys, like, I really want to move. I want to leave the club. Or is he just the kind of guy who, you know, loves it so much that he'll buckle down no matter what? I think, I think buckling downs, it's kind of one of those things, like, what the immovable force, you know, it's an unstoppable object kind of thing. Like, um, I think I butchered that analogy, but it's like... Nah. I'm tracking. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah. You should hear like the shit with, we say. It's like <laughs> with uh, well with Grealish. I, I do think like again, having come up through the club as, as a youngster, like I don't see a world where he like you know full blown goes back on Villa and like you know sends a, a, Bos- a Bosman right like and yeah. is like I'm out. Seems way um, too early for something like that. But uh, but and you think about it like his career is tracking in the right spot. He was just called up. To, he's been in the England team this weekend. Um, you know, was on the bench for their fixture against Iceland. So he's hoping to get his first cap with England. Um, he got kind of called up amongst all the um, people who were placed back to their club teams with the Coronas Coronas testing situation. Mm-hmm. So um, he's he's with the England team. He's captain the captain of the team. He's one of our biggest earners, if not our biggest earner. Um, and he has a really really strong relationships with with both Dean Smith, the manager, and um, you know, our, our CEO, Christian Perslow. So mm-hmm. I don't, and I think that he consistently gets messaging that he's the core of that, of that vision. So I think the only way I, you know, I see him leaving is if that vision goes to shit and Villa finish, you know, in 17th or 18th or, or 16th again next season. And then Griosh is like, all right, I'm not going to do this for a third year, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but that I don't, I, but I, I have enough confidence in Villa that I actually don't think that's going to happen, but so you you're on the the take train that he's going to stay for this season yes. and potentially beyond. Yeah. Yes, potentially okay. beyond. He could spend his entire his entire career in Villa. I don't think that's not infeasible. Yeah, I don't see that as impossible either. Um, it's a cool ma- thing. Maybe Zaha yeah. will do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, but if if it is the dream, right? You know, if not 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 just for like a Villa fan, but like if Jack Rilish is a Villa Villa fan, like that's the dream. Like grow up in the club become the captain, help the team rise up to the Premier League. Like that that is an appealing career trajectory. You know, right. I, I, I'm I'm glad you brought up England because um, it, there's always a bias towards larger clubs when it comes to making the national team, it seems like. 
And he was notably originally like left out of that team. And so I would say that maybe that if he's not able to kind of get a foothold in the English team, like that could be a driving factor as well. Uh, because I do think that he is, I mean, I, I just saw the, the joy when they got, when they, when they, they stayed up last year, like, and, and people rallied around him. Like it, he seemed at home and it was like a good feeling, you know, despite the fact that it was Arsenal that helped him get there. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was kind of where it's due. No, I mean, and also like Villa, Villa has a lot of history in the Premier League. I like clubs that have history in the league versus clubs that don't. Like I like, I like that Leeds is now back in the league. You know, those are those are things that like make me happy. I think that the Premier League is like a, a better as a whole uh, when clubs with rich history in the, are in the league, and I like players that are tied with their clubs. So I hope he yeah. stays. I think uh, I don't know. Not to get too meta, but it goes into that whole thing of like, you know, what is football about at the end of the day, right? Like, mm. what you know, when he hangs up his boots at the end of the, you know, when his career is over, when he's thirty-five, um, you know, what does he want to be remembered or known for, right? Is it does he want to be one of those players who, yeah, had had a good stint at Villa, was captain, and then moved on to United? And yeah, maybe he makes into one of those teams. But then you retire. Like, what are you? Are you a Villa player? Are you a United player? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and is your career about your net earnings throughout your career, or is it about you know, or is it measured by the number of people impacted, the number of people who bought your jersey, right? Like, how do you mm-hmm. ultimately define a successful career? And, and when you look back at it, feel happy with it. That's different for every player. Um, right. And I, I, was- I, I know. I, I'm a loyal guy, so I like by nature. So I'm always drawn to those players who, their careers when they reflect back at them are defined by a long, you know, accomplished spell with a club. There is something to be said for like the Mark Nobles of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And the antithesis is, is Michael Owen, who after a amazing career, no, literally nobody likes him. Right, and like who, <laughs> who who do you remember him playing for? Right, United, Liverpool, Real Madrid. England. Like I don't, you know, Newcastle. England. Like yeah, England, yeah, I guess yeah. yeah. There's no, one was, club he's loyal to, and that's the English national team. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really interesting, and I'm sure we'll keep track of that situation, not just the summer, but going into the season. I want to touch on what Patrick raised a little earlier, which is uh, Villa came in known as, A, they were already an established club in England. Like you said, I don't know if this was on air or off air, but there's a claim that they're one of the top five, top three biggest clubs in England. I think you'd say top three. Um <laughs> But trophies, yeah, too. I remember very specifically reading up on Sheffield, Norwich, and Villa. And Villa, I might be just like making a lot of generalizations here. Villa was supposed to be the Sheffield, where they were investing, they were coming back strong, they had intentions, they wanted to be the wolves of the of the new promoted group and push for the top half of the table. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way. It was a it was a last game of the season save effort. Right. Um, would you say those expectations were kind of blown out of proportion? Were those the expectations, or was the media kind of blowing it up? Or um, did the players and the coaching just not really step up and, and perform to those expectations? It's a, it's a really good question. I think it's like who's, you know, whose shoulders does last season uh, fall on? Um, so I think the expectations came from a place where we spent over £100 million in the transfer market last summer, right? Sure. And that's a lot of money to spend. So whenever you spend that kind of money, you're crying out for expectations. You think about Fulham right. from two seasons ago, going and buying yeah. Jean-Michael Seri, right? And Mitrovic and all those people. So, um, you know, people are saying, okay, well, they're investing heavily, buying all these players. You know, bought Wesley, uh, brought in Mubwana Samata in the, in the winter window. Um, you know, Marvel Nakamba, Douglas Luiz from Manchester City. Like we bring in a lot of, uh, Ezri Kansa, Tyrone Mings. We bring in a lot of players, some of whom we had on loan previously. So I think like the expectations came in because we spent that amount of money. But if you actually peel back the curtain there and understand like 
why we did that and 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 where that what that spend was you know made up of and what kind of players were made up in there it's really because our squad was tiny right so for some background on villa over the last five seven seasons um we used to be american owned uh, and then we were kind of in limbo for uh, for se- several years until uh a chinese businessman tony jia came in and then he was then under investigation from the chinese government and had to forfeit his shares so then he almost made the club bankrupt, bankrupt. and then yep and then wes edens uh came in and and you know with it with a partner bought bought the bought the club and so we're in a very healthy position financially today but over the last five seven seasons especially with a huge payroll huge infrastructure huge stadium we, you know, in signings of like Ross McCormack for 20 million pounds that we, that we were making over the past few seasons and Micah Richards and all these names, uh, we were in big financial trouble. So mm-hmm. coming, in, coming into last season, our, we had a very, very small squad and we basically went out and tried to get people who we'd had on loan previously. So we, had, we signed Anwar Algazi, who was on loan the previous season, and Tyrone Mings, and then made a few other buys um, simply because we didn't have enough players to field, you know, as uh, yeah. an 18-man roster. So, um, you know, so when you peel back that 100 million pound over 100 million pounds spent, like a lot of it was out of necessity, but that mm-hmm. does bring expectation, obviously, when you're seeing the headlines of, you know, buying players in the transfer market. But then where I think where the blame falls on is our sporting director who's since been who's since been sacked since the season ended. Um, what's a, what's a sporting new, director? New, um, it, it, they're they're in charge of all uh, all specific player related tasks. So most clubs have a, a they have the manager obviously who's in charge of basically coaching and picking the team, and the manager reports to uh, two people: the CEO and the sporting director. Um, the oh, those CEO are two run, different things. Yeah, the yeah. CEO will run all aspects of the club, so everything from you know commercial to you know literally like running the entire business. And sporting yeah. director is exclusively in charge of player recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so sounds like it actually, makes a lot of sense. What Ed Woodward does is he does both of those things, but bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what's going on in the United Infrastructure. Sorry, sorry, keep going. No, no, no. But we so, so we've we've since gotten rid of our sporting director, and I think what we did was we we went uh, we bought we made a, made a bunch of signings, um, but I don't think yeah I I think. Some of the signings we made were really, really ill-advised. You know, Hata at, at the wing, we spent you know fifty million pounds on him from Birmingham City. Uh, I think he made like one appearance. Um, we panicked, the loaned Boya Baston. Like we did a lot of things that were. We signed Danny Drinkwater, who's probably the worst player in a Villa yeah. shirt I've ever seen. I didn't write um, down a question for that, but I was hoping it came up. Where yes. in the world is Danny Drinkwater? He's great. He's great year. for the club chemistry, right? He'll just start a fight. <laughs> yeah, and like get pissed at practice, like. He's, um, but that I think that's where ultimately the season kind of fell apart a little bit. Is we 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 made a lot a lot of signings and a lot of you know a lot of that money I think had no rhyme or reason and um, you know was kind of done rather frantically simply because we needed to get a lot of players in. So you always run that risk when you try and you know when you need to kind of beef up a squad very quickly. Um, but all that being said, with the settling of the last season, it actually gives me a lot of confidence going into this season, even with the squad we have without having signed very many players do you have a new sporting director we do yeah we signed uh i you know obviously should know this name wise it's this danish guy um who came in kind of younger guy i think he's a friend of martin larson who's a, a villa a villa legend got it okay well then that's, that's good context let, yeah that's a good i think that's a good time place to pivot right we talked about like if that, 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 that i appreciate that context because it makes makes everything make a lot more sense uh going forward but now we have a new summer new transfer window, perhaps new expectations. 
what what does Villa need to do? It's been relatively quiet so far in terms of actual deals, but a lot of links, a lot of links this summer. I heard Ben Rama from uh, Brentford, Callum Wilson looks like they put in a bid. Looking at maybe a new goalkeeper. What are the what are the holes strategically that Villa needs to 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 fill to kind of take that step up away from a relegation battle and kind of solidify themselves a little bit more in the league? Yeah, so I think anyone who anyone who I talk with Villa would know that my major gripe with the team that we have right now is our wing play, right? So I think I think Trezeguet is a championship winger. Um, you know, he's he's got like millions of Instagram followers because he's Egyptian and Mo Salah's buddy, but. He's just not good enough. Um, and Anwar Al-Ghazi is a championship player as well. Um, and then those are our really only two wide players. And so last season, what we did was we kind of forced Grealish into like a left wing role. I was um, about to say. <laughs> yeah. Like all he's, I remember he's, from your wing play was that Grealish also played out on the wing. <laughs> exactly. And and, it's, and he's a – he's a what, 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 when we're our best, what builds our best is when we have a midfield trio. And this is what we did in the championship. Midfield trio of a holding midfielder, your Douglas Luiz, next, and then McGinn. sitting right behind him again, and Grealish combination. That's a three solid. I would say your three best players on the team. Exactly, that that's a really trio. skilled part of the pitch, you know. So um, that's when we're our best. But then we, we quite frankly weren't getting any sort of production from our wings. You know, El Ghazi, Trezeguet, um, Hata. Um, and then Wesley went down injured. So we were kind of forced to put Grealish into a wing and then we bring in like a land, uh, um, uh, Hurahan or someone to sit in central midfield and we push Grealish further up. Um, and so I just think like we need wide players, right? We need people with pace who can backtrack, um, and also have a little bit of flair going forward. And, you know, it seems to be a, a position that every kid wants to play when they're growing up. But then, you know, you're, we're looking at our transfers right now and I, like, I'm not really seeing any that are like jumping off the page. Right. Yeah, um, it's funny you talked about the wing play as a big problem, and and you mentioned Wesley, which is crazy because I completely forgot about him. And I wrote down a question here that quite literally said, "Does Villa have a striker? Like, do you have a recognizable <laughs> striker in the squad?" So we have uh, we have three coming into the season that I actually think are all quite strong. Um, oh, okay. I like like I like I don't know. I'm probably against most Villa fans saying this, but like Wesley is a he's a 23-year-old, 20 plus million pound striker. He's 6 foot 2, 6 foot 3. He's big, he can run. Um and he was all right like in his first few games and kind of being thrown into the Premier League. So we've got Wesley, we've got Mbwana Samata for the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, That's he was injured totally in January. Okay. Yeah, him and Tom Heaton got season-ending injuries. Right. Um and Mbwana Samata who's a Tanzanian striker we signed from the Bundesliga. Also a decent player, scored against Manchester City in his cup debut. Um, then we have Keaton Davis, who's a 22-year-old academy player who kind of came in at the end of last season and, and started a few games and looked looked half decent. So we've got like three players who I think, um, you know, if, if if you don't make another signing, you've got a starting striker, you've got one you can bring off the bench, and then if either one of those two gets injured, you've still got another one who can line up on the bench and be okay. Mm-hmm. So as a team that only plays with one striker, I, you know, I don't hate – how we're made up in the striker position right now. Like I really yeah. don't. And I, I hate to go back to this, but it just came up because we were thinking about squad depth. Do you think this is a, would you, how do I say this? Do you like the idea of, let's say Grealish does go for 80 million, knowing Woodward, it could even be 90 million. <laughs> is it worth losing a player of his quality for three Premier League quality players at thirty million each that you would bring in. I, I think 
I think the answer is yes or no, depending on the purchases, you know, like I, cause I think you look at a, a Lester and the answer is screaming yes. Right. Like yeah. Lester reinvests that money in, in such clever ways. Like they're really, yeah. really smart about they're bringing brilliant. in talent. Yeah. Like very, very well run. They've done that with the Mara's sale with the Conte sale and then the Maguire sale. Like Suyuncu was a, Suyuncu was probably a top five Premier League center back last season. Yeah. They'll do it with um, him in two years. Right. Exactly. So I think like, I think if you, if you recruit correctly and, and you know, you, you spend that money wisely, like it, you know, yes, the answer is yes. Like it's always better to have three good players than one, one good player. Um, but it, you the know, right. But you, you just, right. And you just can't tell the future. Right. And, and, and I don't know if we have the confidence in our new sporting director yet. Cause he is so new. So sure. Sure. Yeah. And I would think maybe, maybe next summer is a, is a time where you feel a little bit more comfortable with that. I think right. you know, once you get a little bit more, you, 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 I think you know a little bit more who you are in the Premier League after a second season. You know, of if course, you're, if you're able to finish like twelfth, eleventh, then the case to keep Grealish is even higher. You know, but if, like you said at the top, if you're fighting again for relegation, you know, maybe maybe it's time to switch something up. But then again, yeah, we don't know what we don't know what Jack's thinking. So, right, and I, I, I think I think to give Dean Smith a lot of credit, our manager, he. Gene Smith always they always ask him, "Hey, what's your target for the season? What do you you know? What do you what do you want to do?" And he says something that I think a lot of, and this is maybe something that you guys have noticed from English sport compared to American sport. Americans have such a, we got to win. Everything's about winning. Like, uh, you know, we want to keep going, keep going, and win as much as we can, and win, win as much as we can. I think the Premier League is always an interesting situation because managers actually at the beginning of the season, because I think they're so frequently sacked, will taper expectations and they'll say, "Well, we're aiming for a top half finish." Which mm-hmm. you you if you ask uh, like a NFL head coach to be like hey you know what are you what are your aims this season they're like oh we're just trying to get top half or like you know what I mean where um, you'd be like what you know like, everything yeah. everything you're either rebuilding or you're going for a title right it's exactly like, it's like one there, or the other <laughs> and there's no there's no like middle ground and so Dean Smith to, to his credit um, is able to kind of navigate through that and he hasn't said oh yeah you know we want to just finish mid table or we want to get into the top half he says. Or you know uh, we're competitors, and our goal is to go out there and win every single football game. Uh, we want to we want to score more than the opposition. We want to win. So you know I think with a mentality like that, it runs the risk of obviously a really poor finish, right? Like you're mm-hmm. not a Sam Allardyce, and you could finish 18th, 19th, 20th with a mentality like that. Look at Norwich last season. But if you have the talent, then that's I mean that's really empowering to your players, right? And so you can push on and hopefully finish like uh, you know like a Wolves and, and nick a Europa yeah. a Europa League place. So you back the squad, yeah. No, right. I, I like that. Let's talk about the man in the hot seat then, uh, Dean Smith himself. This is a genuine, I don't know a whole lot about him. So kind of like you did a little, you're like about me in a, in a few sentences. Mm. Like I would love for you to do the same for Dean Smith for as an inside position. Like how would you summarize him as a coach? How is he seen within the club and is he the right guy for the future? So Dean Smith, to me, he's a former lower league player. I uh, played at Walsall for a long time, um, then managed at Walsall, then managed at Brentford, um, and then now is the manager of Aston Villa. Um, his dad, and he's a boyhood Aston Villa fan, so his dad grew up, was a steward uh, at Villa Park when he was a kid. Um, oh, he actually, yeah, he actually passed away um, due to coronavirus uh, oh, during the lockdown. Um, and so that was kind of a big, you know, heartwarming story about Villa staying up. Um, you know, he was saying, you know, doing it for his dad who would have been yeah. proud and all those things. So, um, and so Dean Smith, huge Villa fan, again, similar to Jack Grealish then, uh, in that regard, um, and is kind of managed in the lower leagues and then, you know, comes into, into Villa. And he, so he's got kind of this like 
uh, I don't know, kind of like newish charm where he hasn't been battered with years of, of negative feedback and criticism. Like you he see some of these broken managers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like yeah. An Eddie Howe looked broken at the end of last Premier League. You know, oh, last for season. sure. His, his interviews, he just started like melting down. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like a therapy session, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, but so I think Dean Smith has like a, uh, an enthusiasm uh, that from from lower league football that's infectious, and I also think you know he's he's English, so communication wise, like that's all we have a good English core. So from a communication yeah. in the locker room standpoint, like that's it's effective, it's easy. Um, he's he can, he's able to build relationships with all of our key, key players. You know, John McGinn is Scottish, uh, Hurahan's Irish, so we have a lot of English speaking talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think tactically speaking what he's really good at is being flexible and, 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 and what he needs to do to win. And so you look at our, our last season, we typically, we start, start off playing a four, three, three, then we switch to kind of a five, a three at the back, five at the back wing back system, won a few games around Christmas time, then flick, flick back to a four, three, three, which is um, his uh, Dean Smith's out and out favorite formation. Um, but then he, we really still, you know, use the lockdown period to watch a lot of film, get our center backs on zoom calls and analyze where we were giving up a lot of space so anyway, that's kind of like my, 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 my spiel on Dean Smith is he's a, a younger manager, got a lot of energy, good relationships with his players, um, and he's willing to change and adapt to do whatever he needs to do to, to win the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes a lot of emotional intelligence. And so if I could give him you know, where, he, where he has more than others, other managers in the Premier League, I think it's emotional intelligence. Like if you watch his – I think the same thing we said for Chris Wilder at Sheffield United, but you watch their press conferences and they're just intelligent, thoughtful – um, they're able to attack difficult realms of conversation or topics um, in depth and with a lot of ownership by saying, I need to do this better. I can improve on this. This is what I, you know, I'm trying to change and also giving their team a lot of credit. Sure. So I just think he's a good people leader, I guess, sure. if I had to summarize it. That's interesting. Cause I mean, it's tough. It, it, again, love, love the inside perspective because there's an obvious trend going on and not just the premier league, but across all of world football where, people who retired in the last five to 10 years seem to be taken on management positions. And so obviously you look to Villa's bench, you see John Terry there. You're wondering if he's supposedly a successor, they're grooming him, or maybe he's grooming, being groomed to go somewhere, somewhere else. Is that a path that you, is that a path that you see? Because from the outside perspective, looking at Lampard, looking at Ollie, looking at Mikel, it seems like that's the next step. He seems like the next guy in line to take a management position. Is that a Villa or is that elsewhere? It seems I, like I, you, you rate Dean Smith. Yeah, I think it's elsewhere. To be honest, like I, unless, this season will determine the next three for Dean Smith, right? If Villa kick on and finish top half, like they're going to give Dean Smith a fat ass contract, and he'll be he's got the good you know, will, he'll be, right? Right, he'll be with the club for for a while, and um, and that's you know that's what I hope happens. But um, you know, on on the opposite vein, like there are a lot of really really strong managers who didn't have great playing careers. Arsene Wenger being one of them, Jose Mourinho being another one, um, and I think the, you know there's another route where you see managers kind of earn their graft in the lower leagues. Graham Potter is a, a good example known mm. as a really, really strong coach. So um, I think there are a lot of a, an easy way to get into a top job real quick is have an outstanding playing career. Dean Smith never had that. So I think, uh, I think he'll, I think hopefully he stays with the team for a while. But, I don't know if you've seen um, that meme of Wenger just ghosting past Zidane. So I don't know if you'd take that back. I haven't seen Wenger. that. I have not seen that. <laughs> he played a, a charity game when he was about 70. And I'd, I'd like to think, uh, I'd like to think Zidane gave him a little a little space on the turn, but it's like yeah, one of those out of context blasted. pictures where you don't know. Yeah, it, I don't know. Look it up in your free time. But yeah, I will. I will. No, that's that's funny because I think this is probably a good segue in general to 
little bit leave it it's a little bit leave it which is a signature uh prem little prem podcast segment where we have so many crazy ideas going on in our heads that we need to get them down and document them on paper with our predictions i told you my first one was Grealish is going to stay this season and potentially beyond my second one i feel like is going to be a little bit more contentious because from an outsider perspective I predicted that Dean Smith would actually be the first manager to go because it feels like a villa. Expectations are so high once again that he he might have a tough job of trying to satisfy these unrealistic expectations. But obviously this is since we've chatted and you've talked about how he's actually tapering those expectations, the respect he has in the locker room. But the damage is done. I've already said the take. And I think <laughs> I had said John Terry would be the next guy in. So let's see how that unfolds. I feel like you're firmly out of that camp, but I think we want to go on to this segment because we want to hear from you if you have any predictions about the Premier League in general. And obviously we want to start with Villa, but we can also just make it, we can broaden the aperture here. We can just talk about the league in general. And we will we will ask you for a top four prediction to kind of close out the, the mm-hmm. podcast as well. So you can you can kind of leave that, leave that to the side. We ask everyone for their top four. Got it, got it. Um, well, I think if, you, if you're looking for kind of takes that are a little bit enthusiastic and, and I don't know, confident, I think, are. Um, I think saying that Dean Smith is a future England manager um, is one of my takes. I've said this for a wow. while. The opposite of my take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I think, he gets sacked to become the England manager. Maybe Southgate. It's, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't know, that, I, don't know, I don't know if that happens, but I do think that um, just with the way he addresses the media, I think is just, I mean, that, that so much more of the national team job is to be so much more, you know, media savvy as opposed to, yeah. you know, you're not running training sessions every week and you don't have recruitment, right? You pick, you pick the team from what you got and then you deal with the media, right? And there's mm-hmm. not a zillion coaching aspects involved. So I think, uh, Dean Smith, that's one of my takes that I've told Villa fans this, that I think that he could be the a future England manager. And I think well, Eddie, Eddie Howe's going the opposite direction. So what I can tell you is the goodwill from the 2018 World Cup. Are you an England like fan and follower, Jack? Yeah, yeah. So I was on Twitter this weekend around the Iceland game, and the goodwill that Southgate built up from 2018 is like long gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's long gone. People are like, "Who the fuck is this clown?" Yeah, <laughs> and I'm it's like, funny. Wow. South Southgate's a former Aston Villa captain and player as well. So that's right. Um, yeah, back that's in the right. 80s. Yeah, sounds so. like I need to watch more Dean Smith interviews, though. That's my big takeaway from this podcast right now. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much you guys watch Chris Wilder interviews. I think Chris Wilder interviews are they're so brutally honest, fan- fantastic. Yeah, and and he's so well spoken, and he's someone who like. I mean, I'm not a Sheffield United fan. Never have been. Hashtag Blades. You know, like I'm not about it. But uh, <laughs> but I but Blades like even watching. Yeah, even like but like, when I watch our interviews, I'm like, damn, I've run through a wall for that guy. You know. Um, so I, and Dean Smith, I is his younger than Chris Wilder, obviously, but um, I think has a similar kind of graft and emotional intelligence when talking to media. Mm-hmm. I remember on the last day of the season, they asked him about Grealish, and he's like, "Well, first things first, we're gonna go get piss drunk together." And I yeah, was like, exactly. Well, I was like, "Well, I like that." <laughs> it's yeah, just like human speak, right? Um, in terms of other takes I have from Villa, I mean, I I think uh, I think this season I do think we'll finish top half. Okay. Um, that's my okay. that's my other take. Love it. Um, that's on record. Yeah, and, Patrick, and are you so recording? I think <laughs> yes, we're recording, James. Okay. We I think uh, every week I, I'm always recording. 
I'd like to see us sign, a, a, you know, a, a, at least another winger or two, as I, as I said before. But um, I don't know. I, I, the way we performed after the lockdown, I'm feeling a lot more confident. We just bolstered at the right back position with Maddie Cash from Nottingham Forest, which I think was a need that we needed to fill. Outstanding um, name. Natty Cash, Cash, yeah. yeah. Natty Buckets. <laughs> so. Natty Ice. Yeah, there you go. So, um, that's where I'm at. Did you, okay, so, as we make our way to the top, like, top four um, season predictions to close it out, are there any sort of wider Premier League trends or predictions you have for the for the rest of the clubs or, or the league in general? So, I think something we talked about a lot on on my my podcast, Just Goes to Show, with with my co-host is um, sort of the how small the gap is uh, between top 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 of the top of the table talent and, and you know like top six talent and number twenty in the league. And I think that's what makes Premier League so great, right? Mm-hmm. You, you think about Spanish football is you know now a one team league with Real Madrid and Barcelona's yeah. not even relevant anymore. Um, you go to in Italian football, Juventus has won the, the league like nine years in a row, or whatever it is. Like every other league is just boring because you look at the bottom of the table and, um, you know, that it's just not interesting. You know, those games aren't interesting. And so I think, like, what I will say just about the Premier League in general is uh, one thing that I'm really excited about this season is even the teams that are smaller, quote unquote, that aren't top six, um, all have really positive narratives going into the season, right? Villa are coming off a really good end to last season. Palace have just bought some young talent, which everyone said that they needed at the end of last season. Even Newcastle signing players, despite the whole ownership change. And so, um, like, I'm struggling, you know, usually the, uh, there's a team or two at the beginning of the season you can kind of look at and think, oh, man, like, going into the season, they have no momentum. Really, the only one I can say that about this season, this offseason, is West Ham, right? They're selling, like, their best young players, Grady yeah. and Ganga, and, yeah. um, and everyone hates their ownership. But outside of that, like, everyone seems like Class they're trending upwards. Class manager, too. Yeah, David Moyes. Um, but everyone, everyone feels like they're trending upwards, right? Like you know, Brighton's got Lalana. Even those smaller teams are feel, feeling like that that um, they can make a run at some people. So I think like um, I don't know. Going, it makes me really, really excited going into this Premier League season that it doesn't seem like there is going to be kind of a Norwich that gets cut adrift with you know a month and a half to go. Um, I think it could be one of the most you know you got some big managers coming into the league with Marcel Bielsa at Leeds. That's exciting. Um, yeah, Leeds so, is going to be very exciting. Well, let me ask yeah. you this then: What's the surprise package team that you would actually put up for relegation? Going against your point of like parity in the league. Yeah, so I think like like I said, I think if you're going to pick a team right now to go down the beginning of the season, that isn't one of the three newly promoted teams because mm-hmm. um, those are always the favorites to go right back down. Sure, um, would be West Ham. I think like. Uh, I don't rate David Moyes. I think they have enough talent to stay up, but looking at their team... The way it's run. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's ownership groups. I mean, Villa had bad ownership for a long time, and it gets to the point where it kind of feels like it's a ticking clock. You know, it's going to happen sooner or later. So that's how that's kind of how I feel about um, about West Ham. And then um, I think Burnley's going to struggle as well. I think Sean Dyche is brilliant, but like, you know, with everything that happened with the, you know, with, with the White Lives Matter flag they had, which oh, yeah. was terrible and... Um, you know, all the players is kind of leaving contract um, at the end of the season. It feels like Burnley, you know, are this team that punches above their weight, but, you know, their diet is is eventually running out. You know, it feels like they're eventually they're going to fall. So my those favorite, are my two teams that I think are going to slide. I, Patrick and I are known Sean Dyche fans as well. And my favorite little nugget about Burnley is like, oh, Sean Dyche does so much with a limited squad. The dude makes like one, two subs max per game. He like never right. uses all three subs. He is such right. a small, small team and does right. so much with it. 
Yeah. He, he just If you just, like, look at a manager, like, if you just lined them all up, police lineup style, and you're like, who is not changing his pregame tactics? I'm picking shot, shot dice 10 times. <laughs> 10. Like, just yeah. looking at them, you know? But I do love – I mean, I, I love a uh, – especially when they go up against big sides. You know, they're very, very, very compact defensively. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is – we were talking about this off air. It's just – it's a really fun time to be a Premier League fan. Like, you could look across – across the way and just figure out like who there's no team like I'm like 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 you said like I'm thinking okay these five are in the relegation battle to 15 let's have it out you know I think it's it's 20 top to bottom it's it, it's exciting uh, who um for for Villa uh obviously Birmingham is a big rival is there any 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 like hot derbies in the uh in the in the Premier League this year yeah in the Premier West League are, yeah our two biggest rivals are going to be West Brom and and Wolves um so those are kind of teams from the Midlands. Um, so West Brom being a bigger a bigger rival than Wolves, but so I, yeah, if you were kind of to rank Villa's rivalries, is Birmingham City, Small Heath, Blue Noses being easily our biggest rivals. Um, they keep going the opposite direction, so Villa fans love that. And then West Brom second, and then Wolves uh, third being our mm-hmm. kind of biggest rivals that are going to be the most heated, you know, Derby atmospheres. Nice. All right, then I got a little bit leave for you. I think the Villa are going to do the double over West Brom. Not over Wolves, but I think they're going to do the double over West Brom. That's my little bit leave it. Villa yeah. Stuff. I like Just, that. I, 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 I'm, I, I would, would back that up. Yeah, I back that up. <laughs> Just some positivity to wrap yeah, up the cast. <laughs> Add it to the crock pot of like 10 takes that Pat has out in the ether that we have to I just drop on. I just drop them. Yeah, just drop the bombs. Don't pan out. Just slide away. Oh, man. Um, well, let, let's round it out this way. Why don't we hear about how you think the top half of the table is going to unfold specifically ranking first through fourth. Yeah. And there won't, there won't be do. any hard feelings on Patrick's end. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, she got as high as a second, believe it or not already. So who, wait, who was that? Was that Kate Patrick? Yeah. Kate gave me man city and then arsenal, which I think is just above. Yes, Liverpool, maybe it's a little out of Arteta standing, but yeah, you know, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. I think going into, I, it's funny because I'm actually going to re- record the segment midweek on, on on my podcast. I'm still kind of debating it, but coming into this, I guess I'm, I'm, I'll accelerate my thinking. Um, I think top four um, working top down. I think City's going to win the title. Um, mm. I think Liverpool finished second. I think um, Chelsea finished third, and United finished fourth. Um, right. Talk to and talk I, to us about um, City Liverpool and why you ranked it as such. So I think uh, City's already recruited. I think the Nathan Ake buy is fantastic value for money. I think he's exactly the type of player they need. You think about Vincent Company wasn't the best, most skilled player, right? But an excellent leader and an excellent out-and-out defender. That's what Nathan Ake is. Um, and that's what that team's been missing at the back. Playing Fernandinho back there, it just isn't going to do it. Um, and so that's the biggest hole they needed to fill. I think Ferran Torres is a, is a strong player as well. Yes, they're losing Silva, but Phil Foden's obviously looking better and better. And I just think Pep's the type of coach where, honestly, like looking at how they finished last season, I, you know, and the amount of pressure he gets from mm-hmm. from ownership, I think he's probably feeling lucky to not have gotten sacked. Um, and even though he is such a, a fantastic manager, and so I think he he's going to do a great job with the time behind closed doors uh, and, and the quick quick seasons. And they obviously have the sports science and technology and infrastructure to do well. So. Um, I think they're going to win the league. I think Liverpool's second, mainly because I don't think Liverpool can kind of repeat the season that they had last season. But they still are fantastic, you know. Or theoretically, um, the season before that. 
Yeah, exactly. That kind of like <laughs> that that whole 2020 year, you know, was insane for them. Yeah. Or yeah. 2019 calendar year was insane for them. Right. Um, and so, and, and obviously they, they haven't recruited very heavily at all. And, and that kind of front three is continuing to get older. Um, and after those, after those, I, I, you know, that's where it gets really hard because I think even Chelsea with the, you know, the $250 million they've spent already could leapfrog there in a second. I think Havertz is a world, world-class talent. They still need a goalkeeper. Um, and I also think looking at United, United are brilliant, um, you know, going forward. Go I think Bruno Fernandez with Van de Beek. Um, and, and their wing play as well is phenomenal, but I, I just keep wondering why, and I think Henderson eventually takes the job from De Gea, but I keep wondering why they're, they're letting Luke Shaw remain at the left back position and, and also Lindelof wow. partnering with, with wow, McGuire. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to do the roundtable segment for Man United in a bit, and spoiler alert, one of the things I want to ask is, is this player good enough? Because there's, there's so much split decision at probably every position on the pitch there and that's a diatribe right. we don't need to go down right, but right. um the funny thing on chelsea i'll say is you're kind of they have the players obviously you're putting a punt on how effective you think lampard's going to be in managing that much talent you know i feel like it's kind of uh, a judgment of him if you've got him in third fourth or even higher than that or lower than that so we yeah it's interesting for him this year he's got a big job Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I also think just on paper, I mean, he's got a big job, sure, but like that's a big job that you want, you know. Like Abramovich is is spending the way he did in, in the early two thousands, oh, yeah. where he just didn't give a shit, and he's in that same oh, spot yeah. where like financial fair play rules are lowered because of COVID. He hasn't been able to spend for the last two years, so he's just reaching back <laughs> into the play? cookie jar. Never heard of over and like... over, right? He's just reaching back in the cookie jar over and over again, and like let me hit up Putin um, real quick. Yeah, he's ruthless. A, yeah. So yeah, man. Um... They Matt, try to you... make it easier on people to spend, and he's like, "Oh, no rules." Here yeah. we go. <laughs> Sicko. This Bob. market didn't hit me. Pat, uh, do you have no, any more? no. This is Jack. No, this, this was great. This has I been awesome. Say, if you man. have any other final thoughts, and then definitely plug plug your podcast. I'm going to want to dive <laughs> a little bit deeper into the to the villa realm myself. So want to want to yeah. want to give you that shout out. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, my, my podcast is called Just Goes to Show. Um, it's me and my co-host, Chris Saber. So Jack Ridgway and Chris Saber. Um, he lives in uh, Detroit. I live in Chicago. So you know, we do a little little long-distance recording, usually once a week or once every two weeks. Uh, we actually tend to have a little bit of an opposite end of the spectrum viewpoint because we, we are – he's a – Chris is a massive Crystal Palace fan through just being friends with me over the years, and I'm, I'm a fan of both Palace and Villa. Um, but having been a, a Villa fan from, from younger – some backstory on that is the only reason I'm a Palace fan is because back in you know 10, 15 years ago when or 10, 12 years ago when me and my dad would go over, we'd always try and find a London team to watch. And mm-hmm. 10, 12 years ago, Crystal Palace were in the championship on the brink of relegation, so really easy to get tickets. Um, but now yeah, I kind of look like a, band, a bit right. But now now I look like a bandwagoner because Palace actually finished above Villa for the past uh, few seasons. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, um, we won't judge you. Yeah, yeah. So just for any listeners out there, like, why does he have two Premier League teams? Um, it wasn't intended that way. Um, well, it's not like and, you're fans of like Man United and Chelsea, right? Like, right, it's a little, it's a little yeah. you're just covering and, the roulette table. It's like, and that's put the chips thing. Here, and, gonna put chips here. Uh, that's what I was gonna say, guys. Is like it, it is always refreshing, you know, talking about the top of the table because I think it's where most of the money is. It's where the best players are. But um, our podcast is probably a little bit more geared towards bottom half and talking about um, some of the things that you know teams and players that you may know less about so good mm-hmm. balance i think in comparison to you guys so i think that's why uh, we've loved talking that. to you as well because like yeah, our round great. table series is, is really like the top six and eight um teams right. so this put some is respect great on. diversity yeah put um, some respect on that eighth place last question for you that just came up thinking about your fandom and and 
being raised a Villa fan. What is your favorite memory of, of supporting the club? Jeez. Um, so that's tough. I went to um, – I have two that stick out to mind. I, I, I went to the final at Wembley when they were played Fulham uh, two, two seasons ago and lost in the final to get the, the playoff final. And then they were back the next season and won. My parents were both there. The biggest memory for me is two things. One, we beat Chelsea in, I think, 2010 or 2011. Um, we beat Chelsea 2-0 at home with two goals from Zat Knight, who is a player you won't know. He came up through the Villa Academy and he only played. He was like 18. And he only played because of a bunch of injuries to our center backs. I remember Zat. Um, and, and he came off the bench and scored two headers against Jose Mourinho, Chelsea side, and we won 2-0 um, in like 2010 or 2009 even maybe. Um, and I remember that game very, very vividly. Um, and then the other one is when I was just a kid, I just had these like vague memories of, I used to have a D- Dean Saunders kit as like a little, you know, a little tyke, a little tot. And I'll like go and sit on my dad's shoulders and I would like just sit on my dad's shoulders and watch the, watch the game. And I remember that being thinking like, this is the peak of existence, right? Like right. walking, you know, football ground and like the smells and like the noise and the camaraderie you have with other fans and the kind of the cultural right. influence. I remember that at a very young age, walking to a ground with my dad. The creativity like, of the English language. <laughs> yeah. the, the local dialect. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Jack, this has been so awesome. I can't say it enough. Just getting a different perspective. Fellow podcaster on it. Um, thanks so much for joining. Prem little Prem listeners out there, go check out his podcast. It just goes to show. Um, and hopefully we can keep this going. You know, we'd love to have you back on midway through the season. Check in on Old Villa, see how they're living up to expectations. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again in the near future. We are the voice of clarity and blue. The victory song is some for you. So lead us on to glory We'll battle with you all the way When you're feeling worse for wear And the road is just not clear We will find you, get right behind you We will push till we get there Villa Villa, Aston Villa, we are standing right here behind you. Villa Villa, Aston Villa, lion hearts who have no fear. What a team, the pride of the city. Aston is the key, and to it all, Villa, you're the ground for great football. And we'll sing you one and all Villa Villa, Aston Villa We are standing right here behind you Villa Villa, Aston Villa Lion hearts who have no fear We are the rise, we are the stars of the Midlands When you hear the lion roar, Villa has scored. We are the voice of clarity and 
Villa, Aston Villa, my heart, you have. 